Welcome back to the Casey Adams Show. Today, I am joined by my good friend, Brandon Jenner. Oh, Brandon, man. thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So, let's get back to it. We were just talking about some great stuff yes, before, we were. before yeah. the intro happened, but uh, thanks so much for, for you know, taking the time to come Go back. If you want to listen to the pre-intro <laughs> bonus section, <laughs> yeah, yeah, click, my, yeah, click this but, button. But you, you're talking about adversity. And I think that's so true. Continue what you were saying. Just well, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so impressed by you, um, generally speaking. And, you know, at such like a young age and also being from, was it West Virginia? Virginia. You're from? West Virginia. We're, and we're just like, Virginia, no West. No West. Okay. Yeah. You know, you're from Virginia, small town, right? You're like very small town. Small town. Chesterfield County. And also a very different, like, upbringing, very meat-eating kind of, right, environment, yeah. if that makes sense. My dad, my dad, for content, my dad worked at... Philip Morris still does tobacco company. Mm. My mom was a babysitter. Now she's worked in a, as a special ed aide in a school yeah. for the last 13 years. She worked at Applebee's for 13 years. Like very, very, very humble beginnings. So yeah, yeah exactly what, to what you were saying. And it's so cool to see, you know, um, not just what you've accomplished, um, because that's kind of like, a, you know, it's that's a kind of a relative thing in a relative term with regard to happiness and what true success <laughs> is, but your inquisitiveness, the fact that you've been able to generate um, so much information for people uh, is a really admirable thing. And I wonder, like, I'm actually curious as to <laughs> what you've done in your life and what you've experienced in your life that has encouraged you to go down the paths that you have. And like you were showing me, you know, pictures of the acne that you had when you were young. Yeah. And, about and and i too had acne growing up and it's one of the things i'm actually kind of like grateful for you know if i hadn't i might have been a little bit more full of myself or i might not have gained like a certain amount of humility around yeah. that um that was very character building for sure and it's, it's actually so yeah. ironic when i think about acne to what you just said as well so you know i got engaged recently my fiance gorgeous we met i was younger she's older than me and when we started dating, I looked like that, the picture I showed you, that the, that oh, amount really? of acne. And I always think back up and I say, how did I pull that off? And I think just the acne, it was one of two things. It, it built so much self-confidence where if you look in the mirror and you see a face with all this acne, that's yep. just unavoidable. It's either you accept that as like, hey, I have to look at myself as less than, or you embrace it and your confidence goes up. And I think it's a very thin line between the two of like lack of, you know, confidence or more self-confidence, just being able to own up to something that can't change in that moment. Well, they can go both ways too, right? Something that's the uh, adversity can also be crippling for people and it can lead them down bad, worse paths. It can lead them to self-loathing and not feeling worthy and not, you know, all, all that stuff as well. Um, it can spur, you know, destructive behaviors. Um, but it can also be something that is very character building. I think it also creates empathy mm -hmm. because if it's something like if there's a challenge that you've gone through, then you, then you understand when you see somebody else that might be suffering from whatever body image issues or, you know, something you can pick up on it pretty quickly. And yeah. it also makes you care for them and about them. Um, I think that's a, you know, it's, it's amazing all these things in life that we deal with that in the moment we think are so um, uh, destructive and they're they're awful, but when you look back on them, you realize that those are the things yeah. that kind of gave us superpowers, which yeah, we all have, in order to kind of share our unique perspective. Absolutely, and, and I when we first met, I, I, I 
probably told you, but when I was 16, I was in a neck brace for six months, almost paralyzed. And it was sophomore year of high school where I'm in this neck brace. I have no clue what I want to do with my life, depressed, resentful at the world, where I sort of fell down this path of business and entrepreneurship. And that led to the podcast. And it really just, you know, changed me 1% a day where looking back, it just completely changed the trajectory of my life just based off that negative situation and like for you you know i i've always been curious in terms of you know we met through our buddy jordan mm-hmm. dj swivel and um we've we've been shooting the questions podcast and we met in such an organic way where you know oh podcast you and jordan dinner i have this handle we're starting the show um and you've always been someone that is just so friendly so welcoming so humble but i, I want to take this time on the show and also just to dive into like moments like that in your life when you were dealing with adversity growing up in a very unique upbringing like what were some moments in your life that you can reflect on and think back to those hardships that you had to deal with and physical emotional whatever it may be i appreciate you you know doing your best to try to bring the conversation back to me because i'm your guest <laughs> but i've been having a lot of fun learning about you and i'll respect your uh your hey, pivot, hey, no, hey, we'll, we'll your pivot there and i can just go into talking about myself here which is my favorite <laughs> thing to do um yeah i mean i, I i've I, yeah we, we don't fill out a form before we're born we just find ourselves in this existence and uh we find ourselves in different places. The, the place that I found myself in was in Malibu with a, you know, a really great mom and a younger brother. And we had kind of like everything growing up, you know, we, even for Malibu standards, like we lived in a big house and we had parties and we just, it was, yeah. didn't have a lot of rules, not a lot of responsibility. Um, those are things that, I think that I'm, I've spent a lot of my life actually trying to um, repair, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's things that are disguised as luxuries and luck, uh, but they actually, in my life, like we were talking about how the fact that I always had this really big beard and long <laughs> hair and stuff, and part of it was because I, I always was trying to overcome the idea that people would think that I was like, privileged spoiled preppy brat and i never wanted to be that you know yeah but on the outside that's how everybody else i felt like viewed me because Mm -hmm. of these things that i had and i was born with um but i didn't have any choice in the matter and the fact that i didn't have any choice in the matter means that all the things that i did to compensate for that were overcompensations i really had no right and no need to do those things. Instead, what I should be doing is embracing who I am, the things that the environment that was given to me and the things that were given to me and then do the best that I can with it. Um, And so I've so much of like work that I've been doing is kind of trying to deconstruct the things that would that would seem like were not hardships, but the opposite. Right. Absolutely. And and you, like me, we've all dealt with, you know, hardships. And I've dealt with a bunch of, you know, things that would be considered hardships in my life. Um, and those have been really defining. But nothing more than love, right? Like, just, bra- I mean, when you are in love with somebody and you go through a breakup when yeah. you're young, <laughs> it's like, that's so, <laughs> for for, you sure. know, formative. Like, 
and that was the thing that got me into music um, was finding solace and comfort in other people's music and songs going in going through difficult yeah. times like that and so that's why you know making music is so important to me now because it kind of completes this circle where if i can pour emotions into music and it in turn helps somebody else it's like giving back yeah um to something that gave me so much but i appreciate you saying all those nice things you know to be called (laughs) um friendly and humble and nice or kind is um you know those are things welcoming thank you uh those are things that i hold in high regard and i truly believe that when we're gone the only thing that we leave behind are the way that we've made other people feel. Absolutely. And if we can make other people feel seen and understood and cared for, then we're doing a good job on this planet. And then when we're gone, even though we didn't fill out a form before we were born, when we're gone, we can at least check the boxes that say I did my best. Yeah. I love that. For you, so I saw you perform probably, what, three, four months ago at, at the Radiator here in Malibu. And something about m- your music when I first... The Radiator? It, What's the Radiator? Excuse me, not the Radiator. What, I what? love that, though. Dreamland. <laughs> Dreamland. Uh-huh. I know. What, where's, what's, what is the I don't know. I don't know. Okay, Dreamland. Anyway. Excuse me. I don't mean to correct you. No, please. Show, I knew, but I, I, didn't knew, I knew that was wrong. Just in case people <laughs> were like, uh, ooh, the Radiator in Malibu. I'm going to go there. <laughs> yeah. I don't want people to get so confused. I, I, so yeah. when I saw you there, uh, your music's incredible. Oh, what... Sir. What for you led to music? I know like your mom's background and, and something um, that I learned more recently was your mom and her relationship with Elvis. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's a, that's a cool, fun fact. But for you growing up, what was the first outlet that you really dove into in terms of music? Was it writing? Was it playing instruments? And how do you describe that feeling in terms of an outlet to express yourself when you were initially getting into music? Mm. Uh yeah, music has always been a really great form of therapy for me. Um, I'll circle back to that. Initially, I was in college, and I was in the dorms, and everybody was trying to figure out what they wanted to do. People were changing their majors, and, oh, I'm, I'm you know, switching from this major to this major and all that stuff. And, and I kind of went into college like, I just want to snowboard. That's what I want to yeah. do, you know, like this this kind of free ride yeah. um, mentality that I grew up with. Right. I, I was focused on sports and, you know, doing things that I wanted to do, not what I you know had to do or needed to do. And um, but then when I got into the dorms and I saw all these other, all these other people still trying to figure out what they wanted to take their life's energy and put it into. I realized that if I decide that now, that gives me such a jump start on pretty much all these people that are in college still trying to figure out what they want to do. And I you know, took some time to think about how do I want to spend my life? Do I want to like get really good on a motorcycle? Cause I was riding a lot of dirt bikes yeah. and wanted to race motocross at the time. Do I want to get really good on a snowboard? That's yeah. what I was thinking too. Do I really want to get really good at surfing? You know, those three yeah. things were kind of like if I were to do sports and pursue something physical. And then the other thing that I always did kind of growing up just on the side as a hobby was make music. And it was the moment where I realized I got to make up for lost time. I got to just kick ass playing music all day, every day. And as soon as I started learning my first couple chords on guitar, I started writing songs because that was my goal. I wanted to, I wanted to say something. I felt like I had so many things to say and so many emotions that I wanted to figure out how to express those emotions in the form of words and music. And that's been my goal ever since. Um, in, you know, cut to many years later and 
I see a man at a candlelight vigil talking about how he can't remember if the morning before he said goodbye to his daughter at the breakfast table or if he just snuck out the back door like he does sometimes when he's late for work and he's been spending all day and he can't remember if he said goodbye to her because it was the last morning that he would ever see her because she was mm. shot wow. in Parkland in the school. Her name is Jamie Gutenberg and her dad's Fred. And Fred was, and I'm watching him hold it together and tell this story about how the day before he cannot remember if he said his last wow. goodbye to his daughter. And so I wrote a song about it. I sit there, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with what that must feel like. I'm crying, I'm, you know, like, like yeah. a lot of people feel. Um, and then I make the choice instead of just, you know, shaking it off and going about my day and shoving it aside, I make the choice to say, I'm going to dive deep into that feeling right now. And I'm going to really try to sit in that. Mm. And I'm going to use music as a way to take that emotion and express it. And what ends up happening is you write a song that then you eventually put out, you tell the story, people listen to it who have also lost others. And they write to you and say, thank you, because this yeah. really helped me process. As a matter of fact, Fred, in addition to the other people that listened to it, Fred and his little brother, they really appreciated the song and I, they've become friends with them um, yeah, throughout the process. Cool. But so powerful. Yeah, that's that's like, and for, for me, like the therapy that it brings me, I mean, writing these songs and then also recording them, you know, there's moments where I'm recording these songs sometimes and, uh, I'm just, you know, I have to take a break cause I'm just bawling, crying, yeah. you know, and it feels, it's such a release. So for me, it is very therapeutic, I think, to, um, get into those emotions and not just kind of be the, the person that we all know what it feels like to, you know, swallow it and just go on with yeah. our day. But to, to try to really allow it to pass through you. Um, and it's gotten to the point where it sounds crazy. And, and I know that when when tragedy really hits me, it's it's all very hard to. Um, uh, it's, it's very hard to understand that this is a true statement that they're really. At some point, the the line between beauty and tragedy becomes so blurred. You know, there's things that are so tragic that happen in life, but there's an equal amount of beauty that yeah. comes from people's adversity and the things yeah. that they go through and human connection Absolutely. that is so profound. And I would never wish adversity or tragedy on anybody. But the things that are unavoidable and the things that happen, you know, in order to try to find the meaning. Yeah. Um, or the lesson or the purpose or the a way to take this and make the world your life and other people's life a little bit better from it um, is such a wonderful thing and you know I spend a lot of time just looking for things that that move me you know I love having conversations yeah. with people when they're going through something difficult because all of a sudden I see like it's not just like the, their representative in front of me. Hey, how you yeah. doing? Yeah, yeah. What did, you, oh, did you surf lately or whatever? Yeah, right? it's like for sure. All of a sudden, you're oh, this is this is my friend. Like yeah. this is a person. This is another human being that I care about. And it's so interesting yeah. to say that. This morning, I was listening to uh, a podcast with Jay Shetty and the CEO and founder of Airbnb, Brian Chesky. 
Oh, cool. And, you know, he's glorified, incredible company, billionaire. And he was just talking about this idea. And he, he was such a relatable guy. I, I don't know if you've ever heard an interview with him, but, you know, he's the guy that, you know, hey, how can we make extra money and pay rent? So oh, we'll put air, air beds on the floor, sell it to friends, and we'll mm-hmm. hopefully we'll make some money to cover rent. And what he said on the podcast today that hit me, that sort of reference to what you said was, you know, when he's gone and he's, you know, long gone, will he be remembered as you know, the Airbnb guy or Brian? And he, he talked about this small group of people that really know Brian, right? Like you probably have experienced that as I have, where you, you meet all these people, you know who they are, but you don't know who they really are unless you sit down and you experience and have conversations with them to understand what they're going through and what, you know, what problems they've had to deal with and the depth of just what's brought them to, to who they are, not just who they, who people think they are. Um, and the way he described it is just to be more human. And that, that was the whole rant he went on is just how can we all be so human in a world that there's so much glorification around success or money or whatever it may be. Um, and I thought his perspective on just living in a world of creativity and, and curiosity and leaning into that was very profound the way he said it. But I'm curious to hear your perspective on that, right? You grew up around so many just influential people and from a, your family and that background. And at least from my perspective over, over the last six years, and we were talking before coming myself, coming from a small town and then now interviewing all these great people from Larry King to you know the Tillman Fertitta to the founders of Netflix and Twitch, the biggest lesson that I've always learned because now I when I go home and talk to my friends in high school, they're always asking like, oh, like, what are these people like? And I've heard you say it on another show with um, what, what am I blanking? Darren, it's mm-hmm. people are just so human. You know, they don't they can't buy extra time. They they don't have anything more than you do, and they mm-hmm. deal with so many problems and challenges. I would love to dive into that perspective of you of just growing up around influence and success and, and people of influence. Like what are some lessons that you've learned or maybe even misconceptions that you've been able to realize by, you know, growing up in a unique environment and having a very just interesting perspective on the world and, and where you come from? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it's one of the things I'm grateful for is that I feel like I've had a little bit of a peek behind the curtain on what yeah. fame and fortune um, is like Absolutely. growing up, you know, as a young, impressionable kid. <clears throat> and um, for me, I, I've always felt like sometimes the people that are the most like famous also have um, the most baggage in a way because is is anybody new that they meet a friend or are they just impressed with their celebrity? And there's a certain um, like amount of reservation that they kind of carry with them sometimes. Not everybody. There's, there's people that break the mold for sure. Um, but I, I always just kind of like saw that growing up that, that, Oh, well, you know, being really famous doesn't necessarily make you any happier. Um, it actually has more potential to kind of make you a bit more lonely, isolated, uh, those things. Being famous can be a real big uh, 
a bonus too. My dad likes to use my my dad likes to use her fame sometimes to like you know get in to see the Statue of Liberty. I've never seen the Statue of Liberty before to a security <laughs> guard, and they're like, "Oh, um, we'll take you into the, the private tour." You know, has those perks yeah, for sure. People give you free shit, yeah. stuff like that, um, which are nice. But you know, as far as what's really rewarding in life, um, you know, human connection is like is everything for me. I think for a lot of people, and sometimes when you just gain, <clears throat> excuse me, a certain amount of fame, um, it's harder to kind of decipher whether or not you're having a real human connection with somebody or if yeah. there is an agenda there. And um, that can be a challenge and a hurdle to overcome. So it's just meant that, you know, for, from my from my point of view, um, what it's taught me is that those aren't the things to really strive for. Don't strive for fame just for fame's sake. Don't strive mm -hmm. for money just for money's sake. Um, if you want to be well-known, be well-known because you're trying to improve people's lives. Be well-known because you believe so passionately in what it is that you're doing with your art or your media or your message. Um, that that is your driving force. That is the reason why you're putting yourself out there. You know, it's been really hard for me actually to put my music out there and to support my own music sometimes because I don't want to, I never want to be the person who's trying to sell you something. I don't want to be a salesman of my own stuff. Yeah. And through my own kind of like therapy and men's group and talking with people, um, you know, it's been shared with me that the thing that I'm selling, quote unquote, is uh is something that i believe is good for people so i'm not selling them something that will yeah. depreciate i'm not selling them something that um you know has a limited amount of value or or yeah. a time stamp on it i'm telling them i'm selling them something that i believe will potentially make their lives better if they resonate with it and so it's it's actually one of the most noble things i can do is to present the things that I'm working yeah. so hard on to people and that's been a big adjustment for me big big adjustment really really hard and then it's a daily you know yeah. kind of practice is to um, not come across like I'm just trying to you know be a, a, a salesman you know yeah. of myself especially considering my background you know where people think that my life is comfortable enough why do I need you know why do I why do you need my 99 cents to download your song or whatever you know that's yeah. what it used to be but yeah it's streaming now <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so it's different for yeah, yeah for sure no, I, I, I love that perspective um regarding when we you know we recorded however many episodes we've had for our, our podcast questions and you've always been someone that has not only unique perspective but you'll dive into the historical references of a lot of things i'd love to talk about uh, like growing up in terms of your education going to college like how did you view the world in terms of uh, not only career path, but yeah. studying history. I know you'll bring up topics that I, I wish I knew more about that I could contribute to, but talk to me about some of your interests outside of not only music or, or sports, but you know, education as a whole and how that's played a role in your life. Because you know the people that we bring on, the conversations we have, it's it's very collaborative and, and educational focused, and you have just so much to, to dive into. And I'd love to hear how you view education, how you've now instilled that upon your kids, and how you think about that in your life. It's nice of you to say. Um, the travel, travel, travel. Like if you're young, <laughs> if you're young and you want to learn anything and you're curious about anything, or if you're a parent and you have young kids, travel, travel, travel. Get them in places 
that where people live differently than the way you live. It's yeah. just the best education, like hands down. And and I'm so I'm eternally grateful to my parents that they brought me to places around the world where I got to see that not just some people, but a majority of people around the world live a very different life than I live and I grew up in, yeah. in Malibu, right? Very different. Perspective is huge. People that have more limited perspective, not by their own faults, just but because of they, they haven't experienced the world outside of wherever it is they are. If you, if you have, if there's any way that you have the means to just be able to get outside of where it is that you're used to, do it yeah um it just broadens your perspective and i think that that's very good not just for yourself but i actually yeah. think it's really good for humanity it takes people from thinking about this us versus them mentality you know which we all deal with and you're a you're a baby it's me 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 i'm hungry i'm yeah. blah 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 and then you get to realize that your sibling has something else no that's mine so it's me against them and then it's your high school against the other high school and then it's your country versus another country and some people exist in that world they don't ever travel outside their own countries and they just kind of have this sense of pride and um and they see it as a, this us versus them kind of mentality yeah when really talk to carl sagan about this <laughs> we're just on a tiny little dust particle floating through space yeah. right and there really is no us versus them this is we are you know we are one yeah you know, without sounding too cheesy. You're, you're going to love that. Yesterday I was talking to Jordan and mm. he picks up the phone. He's like, dude, have you been studying the aliens? <laughs> when, when he gets here later. <laughs> so when I, when I think about us versus them, he was going <clears> on this <throat> alien kick. He's sending me all these yeah. books to read. And I was like, oh, interesting. We'll talk about it on the show. Yeah. Um, no, it's so interesting you said that. And I couldn't relate more. And for context, I, the biggest thing that changed not only my life besides the neck injury that I brought up was traveling. I yeah. grew up in an environment where I literally didn't know or experience traveling on a airplane until I was 16. And I bought, I bought the plane ticket myself. Wow. And see, this is what's still, so amazing still, about you, man. Still to this day. And it's so funny if, if my parents are watching this, I tell them like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta do something. One, like they don't have passports. They've never left the country, my brothers, my parents. And I think now I've been to, over 20 countries over the last wow. like six years different endeavors business some at the time which i'll get into school trip the first trip i ever took first time i flew an airplane was flying from virginia to toronto so that was my first little quick flight mm -hmm. oh my god i'm on a plane 16 15 years old and then toronto to beijing i went to china on a, a school trip and i went from i look at it as really zero to 100 in yeah. terms of travel experience went from beijing to shanghai to xi'an to hong kong it was a school trip that we did probably with 30 kids and I got selected. I, you know, I took my history series back then in, in school and I remember coming back a completely different human, right? It's the perspective on the world and obviously China's it's a very unique place than many other places in the world. But that idea of traveling and seeing new places, it's hard to even describe unless you do it. And I come from, I, I believe like the epitome of going from, my small town my small bubble road trips growing up to then seeing this whole other unique world the poverty there and it blew me away and like to what you're saying for you are there any specific locations that they have either mean the most to you or or environments that you've traveled to that are your favorites whether that's when you were younger or even today in terms of bringing your kids 
Um, yeah, well, I mean, the, the places that have been most influential for me growing up, and we did a trip to Africa when I was young, we went to Kenya, and we did, you know, like a safari, right? It was like a pretty luxurious way to do Africa, right? We did the safari yeah. in Kenya and stuff, but it was amazing because we got to spend time with the Maasai warriors that were like out on the plains, and they would come it's over to the hotel, so and we would play games with them and stuff, and, you know, these people were like just living such a different life. Yeah, such a different life. And yeah. it was it was very admirable too, like the, the life that they were living. You know, they were s- like like stoic in the, in a way. You know, they just they they knew exactly who they were and what they wanted and they were there was there was a brotherhood and so I, I think, you know, Africa was a great example. Um Indonesia uh is a really cool place to go. Thailand is a cool place to go. I, I loved Japan. Japan was amazing. Um I loved Japan because it was, uh, it's culturally, it's so different, right? I kind of like thinking about like humanity when we left Africa and, and, you know, groups go this way and they they head uh, east, right? And they populate Asia and then groups go this way. And the ones that make it to England, they eventually like sail across. And that's basically where my, all my culture comes from, right? It's like English essentially and Americans. Um, and then you go now all of a sudden you're circumnavigating the world and you're going on a plane from LA to Japan, which is a, a kind of like a far east yeah. version of Asia. Culturally, it's so different, but technologically, it's you know even more advanced in ways, right? Yeah. And it, so it's like such an amazing place to go where you're like, wow, I have all the amenities and all the luxuries that I'm used to, um, and the and this amazing like high standard of living. But culturally, it's yeah. it's like so different, <laughs> for sure, <clears throat> which is fantastic. Absolutely. I love going down to Mexico and Central America and um, those places. I spent a lot of time down there. Uh, surf trips have been really great, also. You know, yeah. just going on surf trips to off the beaten path, and you see people. You know, one of the things that has always struck me <clears throat> going to places like Indonesia or Thailand, they have time. They have time. We don't have time. I have no <laughs> fucking time in my life. Excuse the f bomb. There, oh, you're good. I got no fucking time in my life. Like it's yeah. it's you know I wake up, get the kids ready for school. I take them to school, I drive them to school, carpool. Okay, kids, get out of the car, go do your thing. I, I go there, I go like straight to my workout, which is I guess you know a luxury. And then I come to the studio and I'm in the studio until I got to go pick the kids up, and then I get them home, and then I got to make dinner and do this you know whole thing. And if I'm lucky, I can you know, get some kind of like an activity that, that I like to do, but it's all based around activities, right? Yeah. It's all based around doing something, being productive. And this is grained into us as yeah. Americans, as like, you know, in Western society. And you go to a place like Thailand or uh, Indonesia and there's people just sitting on the porch, just hanging out, yeah, talking, <laughs> having a soda. You're like, fuck. I mean, there's there's a part of me that, that you know you you it it's you see it almost as like this unfair trade yes i we i have a you know a, a you know nice linen sheets to sleep in at night <laughs> but i also have no time yeah. to ponder to sit to be to meditate to just kind of like exist with other people um it's something that I try to carve out yeah. in my life. I try to, you know, get have a good, decent meditation practice and moments where I can at least do that. But, you know, that's one of the big things that I learned from traveling is just that we live so differently. Yeah. And not all of it is necessarily for the, the better of our psyche, of our mental health, of is this a meaningful 
um, existence that we have on yeah. this planet, right? Absolutely. I, I think I love when I have those moments of you, know, you, you surround yourself with people naturally that are that are like you, that you see the world in similar ways, that you're you know, maybe mm-hmm. moving towards in a similar direction. And then you meet whether that's someone internationally or just a new group of or a new individual and they just do life differently, whether that's for the positive or you could view it as a negative and you're like, wow, there's other ways to do this, how, how we are doing this thing. And I think in a world where there's so much social media indoctrination around certain topics and ideations and just how to live, like, what are your thoughts on that? We've talked about this on questions, but in terms of social media, right? And even, and I, and I say this because I'm, I'm curious, right? Coming from, you know, your siblings have some of the most amount of followers on social media and in in this world of social and how it's changed over time like you your family are also like pioneers in terms of being able to see where the ball is moving and where the puck's going like what is your view on social media individually but also um like what you've experienced over the years from seeing television and how that's worked in terms of being on the other side of it like you've talked about uh because nowadays with social media the amount of consumers that just you know, we live in a world where it's just endless scrolling and scrolling and overconsumption of content. And you've also seen it from the other side. And we've talked about this in depth in terms of screen time. And um, what was the things we talked about on, on questions with like the different topics of uh, like caffeine, pornography. Oh, to, yeah, to yeah, ca- yeah. What, what the, one of them was like the social media element of things. Mm. For you, how do you view social media in today's world, but also entertainment as a whole in your past and how you grew up? It's a, it's a, it's a big topic. Cause I have a lot of thoughts about that. Um, I'll do the best <laughs> I can to keep it concise. Um, if you ask my wife, she would tell you that I'm addicted to my phone. Uh, and, and I admittedly agree that like, it is a problem, right? Like that, that it's it. Uh, and I think most of us can relate to yeah. the fact that you just kind of mindless scroll for a second or you open up an app yeah. that you just did. It's a total reactionary thing, right? Absolutely. I do the best I can to make my phone a tool for productive use, not reactive, right? I try not not to live in this reactive state where I just use it as something that oh, oh I have a video, oh funny this. I I try not to let it prompt me. I try to prompt it. I use it as mm-hmm. it's a great tool for to do lists. It's a great tool f- to get your podcast out there. Yeah. Um, it's a great tool for keeping in contact with people. Um, that our friends or business partners or whatever via text, um, it's a it's a camera, yeah. which is nice for capturing images of your kids. You know, those are the things that I try to use my phone for. Um, you know, social media. Nothing has changed. This has been people have been blowing the whistle on the fact that there are these algorithms that are working against humanity. To try to get you to go deeper and deeper down this rabbit hole to keep you engaged. And it's splitting us apart, man. It's splitting society apart. It's really sad. And people, you know, they see it on their phone or they see it from a friend or somebody they feel like they trust or an account they follow that posts something and they just take it as like, you know, gospel and it's got to be real and it's got to be this and you know, I just I do the best I can when it comes to like where I'm getting information to just kind of try to the, try to go back to reliable sources. You know, what what's the source? Yeah. You know, I try to stick to things that have been like proven sources of information for a long time. Do some of them have bias? Absolutely. It exists on both sides. But if you look at enough things, you know, yeah. and you, you bounce around and try to get as many different sources as you can 
you're going to get a general picture of what's going on in the world in my in my view and the less that you can use social media as to fill that news void the better if you can use social media just be like funny videos or things that i'm interested in like you know better you know fun exercises or how to eat properly or things self-improvement stuff it's a great tool yeah but to use it as you know like a tr- to try to get like a, a lay of the land and to figure out what's going on in the world. It's just so <laughs> skewed yeah. that, and it's so skewed individually for every, di- every different person. Right. So it's a, uh, so if you like, if you open up my discovery page, it's just for, for me, it's mostly just like flying videos yeah. and <laughs> some exercise stuff sure. and health, you know, and, and those types of things. Um, funny stuff, you know, yeah. car, there's uh, car crash dashes or something like that, you know, kind of, it's pretty interesting because it yeah. shows you how accidents happen on the road. I yeah. find that interesting. Yeah, those videos are interesting. You know, um, but yeah, that's a whole can of worms that I think is a real problem because uh, nothing really has been done about it. Um, and I don't, I do not view social media as, as a, as a, a scary thing yeah. at all. I think that it's a wonderful tool that has the potential to bring more, peace to this world than ever before connectivity between people around the world at the at their thumbs yeah you my ability to be able to i did a video a long ass time ago where i asked people from around the world to contribute to the music video and use the words i believe in a creative way and i had people from iran pakistan all over africa you know china and japan places that i would have never guessed (laughs) i would have gotten videos from yeah you know and they all sent me these videos and it was so wonderful. And then to see everybody together around like a common cause. And this was many, many years ago, the ability that the internet and connectivity and social media has in order to see the common humanity in each other is huge. It's, it's huge potential. Unfortunately, it's being used for profit in order to keep people engaged you keep them enraged and a lot of people are online enraged because they're seeing things that trigger this feeling. You know, when you're, if you're a gambling addict, the winning isn't what keeps you coming back. It's losing. When you lose, it triggers the addictive part of the brain. That's the part of the brain that then keeps you coming back. So the act of losing is actually the thing that is addictive to them. It's the same thing with social media. The act of seeing something that makes you upset and angry yeah, is the reactive. thing that keeps you coming back yeah and that's the trap that you know a, a lot of people i mean I'm, I'm you know i'm not saying that i'm absolved of any guilt here like i me too probably at times um but it's something that people need to be really really careful of is is to understand that you know social media that algorithm is not working yeah. for you it is using you as a tool in order to keep you on it yeah absolutely yeah, there you I go. That, that. That, was that. that a short? That no, was that as was short great. as I could be. No, that was great. And even in the the second aspect of growing up, television, you've seen your fair share there. How does it correlate with like how you've seen television to then social media in terms of the entertainment purpose, but also like the attention economy that we live in in terms mm. of the shows, the family, the the correlations, and you know, for me too, it's diving into the, the perspective of Brandon because the way I view it, right, is our friendship over the last what almost a year almost a year or so i've always viewed not not only you as a a friend but just someone that has truly created this path for themselves and has been so 
align with your values from interviews I've heard you in to our conversations to the guests, the people that you surround yourself with. And, you know, you see these things on social media where like it's this big web and like one decision can take you here. And if you just, the little decisions are actually the big ones because they set you down this entire path. Um, Like when you think back on your life in terms of how you've seen social media or success, do you ever... Do you ever think back and say, wow, like I'm I'm different from maybe family or friends or peers growing up? Because I think it's just such a, again, unique perspective that I want to get into in a world where, and, and I'm curious to know like your relationship with not only Brody, Kylie, Kendall, you know, these these people that people watching, they, oh, they see them, they have hundreds of millions of followers. And it's just so different than you know, people that are just scrolling social media and you've seen both sides, someone that's like, Hey, I don't care. I don't need this, but also you're in a world and you, you know, you, you said this quote on the Darren show, it's like the longitude and longitude and the, the success that has come from that is just unique. And I think I'd love to dive into that in terms of like the relationship with Kylie, Kendall, mom, dad, just family overall. Cause I, when I look about, when I think about my life with my brothers and you know, I'm 23 right now, one of my brothers is 20, five and one's 29 when I had a kid I have a seven-year-old niece incredible I I live in California they're in Virginia we're still we're so extremely close but as the youngest you start to see over time I'm like wow like everyone just come from the same background but everyone goes so far out into their own lane of life and how they view the world and experiences and friends and conversations and I'm curious to hear that your perspective on all things family your relationship to your family how that's changed over time and more so just how you view the world. It's, it's, it, I want to thank you again for saying those nice things about <laughs> me in the beginning. Um, uh, it means a lot because, you know, I too, like I think everybody, I struggle. Like I struggle sometimes too. I don't, I've, am I on the right path? Am I doing the right things? Am I spending my time correctly? Am I being a good enough dad? Am I being present enough for them? Am I, you know, working hard enough and efficiently enough in the things that I should be working in? Um, Am I successful enough? Uh, do I feel like I, if I compare myself to other people and the things that other people have and the things that other people that have accomplished at my age or a little bit older or even younger, how do I stack up against that? You know, um, I, I have all those same feelings and insecurities that I think a, a, a lot of people do. I just I want to I want to make sure that if you're listening to this, you know, and you're somebody that um, has that. I just, I just want them to know that like, they're not alone. Like I, I, I deal with that too. I know you, I'm sure you do. We all do. Right. And you know, you mentioned like my brother Brody and Kendall and Kylie, I guarantee you they do too. Like I guarantee you they struggle with stuff. I know they do. I know they struggle with things that are challenging because life is challenging. And we're constantly, it doesn't matter how many followers you have, you're constantly comparing yourself to somebody else and um, evaluating where you're at in life. And it can be difficult. It can be humbling. Yeah. Um, so I, I know that, th- you know, they, just like everybody else, struggles. There's a great shirt that somebody gave me recently. It said, um, it says, be kind on the front. And it says, everybody you meet is going through something that you know nothing about. Mm. Be kind. And it's just true. Yeah. You know? So, yes, 
is it does the average person know nothing about what it kylie goes through with all of her followers yeah they don't know anything about what she's going through she also doesn't know anything about what they're going through so just be kind to people yeah. and just understand that we all are we, we I, I really do believe if there's anybody out there that isn't tell me <laughs> i think we're just trying to do our best yeah. i think everybody is doing their best this is another big conversation is Brene Brown talks about this in one of her podcasts is, is your philosophy in life that everybody's doing their best? Some people say no. Some people say no, I, I think they could do better. I choose to believe, having explored the two options, that people in this moment, in that moment where they sit, and up to that point, they're doing their best. Does it mean that their best could be something different tomorrow? Yes, but it's up to them to decide. Mm -hmm. And at this point, they're doing their best. And then it gets into whole boundaries and all that stuff. <laughs> you know, you have to have proper boundaries in order yeah. to believe that. Because if you believe people are doing their best, but then you don't have good boundaries and you allow, you know, somebody that m maybe doesn't align with you or isn't working as hard as you um, to drag you down, that just means that you don't have proper boundaries, right? So if you have good boundaries you know what you want you believe that you're doing your best and if your best looks different than somebody else's um then that's great but you have to have good boundaries and the only way that you can believe that some other people are doing their best is to have those boundaries i just Absolutely. i believe that people are doing their best doesn't matter who you are whether you're you know extremely successful by society standards or you're struggling by society standards i just I believe people are doing their best and people that are doing their best deserve the benefit of the doubt. They deserve kindness. Yeah. <clears throat> and they deserve to live in a world where, you know, they're, they're, they're treated like a human being because we all have to lay in bed at night worried about something. Yep. <laughs> That's the truth. Appreciate the perspective. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Well, how did your life change when, you had kids. I, I interviewed someone recently. Oh, why do you ask, it, well, no, Casey, no. <laughs> Mr. Engagement time? <laughs> Not even that. I, it's, the, someone I interviewed recently, they said, you don't know what true love is until you have kids. Hmm. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I, I remember the first time I came over <clears> to your place, met your kids. They're incredible. And you just not only you're such a great dad and the way you speak about your kids, but I'm curious to know how that having kids changed your life as a man and also how you see the world. Well, there's, I, I now discovered after yesterday that there's three things in life that you can't oversell. Um, having kids, <laughs> an NHRA drag race and the uh, WSL wave pool in Lemoore. Done. <laughs> Those three things you, you can't oversell. You can tell somebody how great it is until they go. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> until they go through it, they'll never know. Um, yeah, you know, having kids is just something that I love watching other people go through it because it does change you forever. It just broadens, you know, we were talking earlier about perspective. It's it's just that you you have a, um, a, you know, without throwing shade on people that don't have kids because it's a totally perfect existence, it's fine. Um, but, we, you know, the, the truth is for me, my, my, my um, capacity for love and... I want to use that word hatred because there's there's always a yin and a yang, right? The more that your love increases, the more that the, uh, the your opportunity for joy and challenge, we'll use those two words, open up and the spectrum widens. Having a kid, it's true. You you know 
no love like you've ever known, <laughs> but you also know no challenge like you've ever known. The big thing for me when I laid eyes on my daughter for the first time, I realized that it was never about me. I thought I thought life was about me. I thought I was supposed to have fun and go surfing and mm-hmm. gain experiences and be a better person and eat better and figure out how to improve myself. And, I actually and get thought, better sleep like me. <laughs> I thought I was doing that for me. Yeah. And I realized when I had a kid, no, I was doing that for her all along. I was becoming the person that I could be, the best version that I thought I could be, so that I could be the best dad that I could be to my kids. That's why I was doing it all along. I just didn't know. I never had the perspective. Yeah. And having kids gives you that perspective where you realize, oh, oh, wow, it, like this whole life thing thought it was about me i'm just the person who passes the baton off that's it i'm just another person that takes the baton and passes it off and it was never about me it was about the process it was about the baton getting down the road getting down the road to hopefully a better future for my kid and for then their kid and you know so that's just something that you you only know once you go through it um and it's it's a wonderful thing and you know, I know that you're a, you know, big relationship guy, which is great. <laughs> so, I'm, you know, I'm sure that at some point you'll experience that in life. And it's a, oh, yeah. it's a wonderful thing. You know, the, the challenge is that you can only hang out with k- people that have kids now from this <laughs> point on. So you got to, you know, your, uh, your pool of friendship yeah, really yeah. shrinks a bit, but there's oh, a lot of amazing people out there that have kids. So that's good. I love that. Um, yeah. And it is, it, it is challenging. It's also very, very challenging. Absolutely. So, you, when we first met, you t- we were at your place. We did the sauna. We were talking about it before, and I know it's I've platonic. I, it was platonic. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I've on other <clears throat> shows that we've done on questions. I'm always talking about sleep data, all this stuff that I love and enjoy. You're like, yeah, when you have kids, you can't do that. Uh, but I'd love to talk about some of the <laughs> the, the health influences right. in your life, just in terms of you know, you talk about like your friend Rich and. You have all these amazing people in your life that are insightful and knowledgeable regarding health and lifestyle and how they live. Like, what are some daily rituals and habits that you've had? Of course, it's changed with kids. That you, I've heard you say that. But just how you live your day-to-day life, right? When it comes to how you view time, how you view health, how you view what you eat and relationships. Just what's your daily routine, schedule, and, and really non-negotiables in your life? Yeah. You know, non-negotiables is an interesting term because I, th- I think that one of the most important things is to just not put too much pressure on yourself you know don't be so yeah. hard on yourself if you don't nail it if you're imperfect um it's it's a it's a process it's an evolution the things that we think we know today we might be different next week because we've met a new friend yeah. that new has new information or whatever yeah. right and I think one of the best things. Um, have you seen the Blue Zone documentary on I Netflix? Just, I got the purple sweet potatoes in my fridge now. So yeah. I, I well, one I of the I things <laughs> that somebody said in it, one of the older people, they said, "Well, I never was trying to like live a long time," you know, which kind of means that like if you're trying to live a long time, you're probably also existing with a certain amount of underlying stress that I have to do everything right in order to meet this goal, and that can be not healthy. There are things, and there are you know, I don't want to say rules, but there are guidelines that I live my life by that I believe to be true. 
Um, and that I also know make me feel better, make me feel better about myself, hitting goals and setting goals and hitting those goals, make you feel good about yourself. Yeah. It's empowering. I'm totally fine with that. I, I love to do that. I love to exercise. Exercise is a huge thing. Peter Atia, is that how you say that? Peter Atia. Or Atia. He was saying that, you know, you can start, if you, if you started smoking cigarettes right now, um, your chance of, I'm, I'm going to make these numbers up, but I'm just making them up for the, for the sake of the argument. Uh, that you decrease your chances of surviving the next, you know, 10 years by like 30%. But if you start exercising today, you increase your chances of living like fivefold. I, I think I, I heard him say Something like, like an that, hour, right? every hour of working out is equivalent to nine hours of extra life obviously it's a statistic and i think he said something along those lines but basically you can make much better gains in longevity and health by starting to exercise as opposed to making much smaller unhealthy decisions that would really affect you on a much smaller level so exercise is huge yeah so exercising stay moving keep your blood flowing Sleep is really important. It's, it is really important to get good sleep. Start to recognize some of the things that give you shitty sleep. Alcohol gives you shitty sleep. You know, caffeine yeah. drinking too late can give you shitty sleep. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to food, I do believe that, like, developing a healthy relationship with food is important. Don't let food be a cure for anxiety. Because that's a big thing, you know, is that people get hungry and then they get anxious and they're like, uh, I'm hungry. And and then the food becomes a cure for their anxiety and they get into this feedback loop where whenever they're hungry, they eat. Whenever they're hungry, they eat. Whenever That's not natural. That's not normal. That's not how humans existed, right? I mean, we've been – that's not how our bodies were designed. (laughs) So to get comfortable with your own hunger I think is really an important thing. Um, It also – helps you to make better food decisions i these days because of new information i try to eat as much as i can in the middle of the day not fasting a little bit yeah yeah and also just kind of like even if i'm not like in an intermittent thing like you know allowing your body to wake up before you load it up with food and allowing your body some time to digest before you go to sleep so just trying to like get your calories in in the middle of the day because it's the best time for you to be able to metabolize stuff um and then the more that you can eat whole foods, the better. Foods in their whole form are great. Going back to Darren, if you read his book, Super Life, yep. um, there's a passage in there that talks about an apple. And you know, an, an apple not only has all these incredible nutrients and macronutrients and all this amazing complexity of all these things that your body needs, but what an apple also has is the fiber and the digestive enzymes in order for you to actually maximize those nutrients. And as soon as you juice that thing or process <laughs> it in some way, you're now throwing off the balance of digestive enzymes to nutrients. Foods are meant to be eaten in their whole form, right? Yep. Something processed is just not the way that it's supposed to be eaten. And that's a that's a big issue with um, with food these days. So, you know, the more that you can eat things in their whole form, I don't eat meat that much. I'm, I'm also, you know, like last night they served a little meat at the, you know, after the surf <laughs> ranch thing. I'll eat it. It's a whole food. It's, you know, I don't, I don't do it often. I don't like factory farming. I don't like contributing to that. It's terrible for the environment. Another great statistic, um, Attenborough, David Attenborough. I don't even familiar with him. He's the uh, guy that narrates all of the planet earth and stuff like that. The older guy. And he had one recently said this thing that I thought was amazing. Human beings make up 33% of the mass of mammals on this planet. So if you took all the mammals on this planet and you put them on a scale, 33% 33% would be human beings. That's crazy. That's it. 
or is it like 60, 62% or something, would be the food that we are growing for ourselves. Cows, pigs, all those mammals. Wow. That's what factory farming is. It's 60-something percent. And what's left, since it's either 4 or 6%, but it's like a basically 5%. Every other wild mammal oh my gosh. is just 5%. Every other bear, all the wildebeest in Africa, yeah. the whales... All of it, all the deer, the mountain lion, the rabbits, all of that's it. That's crazy. Five percent. That's it. This is our planet yeah. to either like destroy or figure out a way yeah. to, you know, yeah. live in harmony. So factory farming, that's that's the biggest chunk. Like we got to yeah. deal with that. We got to deal with the way that we handle food. I'm curious, but what would you say? There's no easy solution because it's so you know it's the dollars are there and people are focused on that like what do you think how do people change such problems obviously you don't have the answers but when you think about large problems as a whole like how do you view that in terms of you know there's people watching listening you can obviously change the people around you people that listen and, and plant seeds in their head like whether that's one specific problem that you see factory farming or other ones like how do you view the world in terms of solving large problems individually but also as a collective it's a good question it's i i actually this is this this has the tendency to get rather political <laughs> because well yeah, because for sure there's there's a lot people dis, people um have different opinions on how much government should get involved on big problems like that like for instance yeah. climate change there's a there's a group of people that believe that the free market will figure it out the consumer will demand electric vehicles the consumer will demand nuclear power yeah. plants instead of coal burning power plants um i tend to be somebody that thinks that what you need is some oversight because society has been proven to be very un um unaware of the impact that they're having on their environments when humans made it to australia there were all these huge animals there that existed, huge mammals, giant mammals. Killed them all. They're gone. Extinct. When the humans came to America, there were mammoths. There was a giant sloth that, was, that stood 20 feet tall. It was more like a bear, but it was yeah. of the sloth family. It stood 20 feet tall. All these amazing giant mammals. Killed them all. All of them. Easter Island. Humans lived on the island. Yeah. And they fucking chopped the trees down and they used all their resources to extinction. The, the assumption that we're going to have the foresight to be able to not do that on a global scale, I think is pretty ridiculous. And I think you need to have panels. Um, you need to have committees. You need to have, you know, you could use the, the you know, the bad word government. But you need to have some oversight as to how we're making decisions on a whole on the whole. If we're I think if we're gonna have any chance of creating some kind of a balance. So I do think that a lot of those those problems come down to um uh you know, another bad word regulation. But like you gotta you, you have to um figure out a way to redesign the system kind of from the top down and you have to have that oversight and you have to invest in the right in the right areas. And you have to kind of, you know, make certain things 
yeah. illegal. Like you, you, you just, you know, at some point we're going to have to say, you just can't pump greenhouse gas into the atmosphere anymore. You know, yeah. definitely hard problems to solve, but I appreciate the perspective. Very hard to solve. <laughs> yeah. Very hard to solve. Um, but you know, just do what you can for now, but also it's, it's important to not fall into the trap that because I recycle and because I drive a Prius, I'm doing, doing my right. part. Yeah. Right. Um, because what it really does need is like systematic change, yeah. you know, I mean, it, without people pushing for, for example, I, I kind of am a proponent for, um, nuclear energy and, uh, I could be swayed one way or the other, but it, it, currently that's what I am because at least it is a, you know, no a carbon free way of doing it. And there are places around the world that do it in a very responsible way with small reactors. And we have these ways to reuse the stuff with very little waste. And there is, you know, there, in my opinion, there are ways to do it well, but that isn't going to happen, you know, by me driving a Prius or by yeah. me, you know, <laughs> yeah, driving sure. a Tesla or buying a Tesla or, you know, using yeah. a wooden toothbrush. It's going to happen because, you know, agencies and government basically says like this is how we're going to get our power this is yeah. we're going to reallocate funds and we're going to start putting taxes on you know carbon uh, emissions and things like yeah. that so there's a certain amount of it that's a much deeper conversation and i'm, sure. and I'm always very <laughs> open to having those conversations with somebody that thinks differently than yeah. i do because i love learning about that stuff um where i stand right now i just think that like humanity has to have some yeah. kind of um uh, oversight, even if it's something that we elect for ourselves, like in a mm -hmm. democracy, but we can elect some, a group of people that can have some oversight on how we're doing things as a whole, because our track record is not great. <laughs> it just isn't. Yeah. It's not. Totally. Well, I have a couple more questions before we wrap up here. Okay. When it comes to the future and just your life, like what excites you, right? Whether that's from a business perspective, family perspective, <clears throat> life you know kicking it in and doing the surf what is it called the surf where'd you go yesterday the uh the wave pool yeah like the doing things like that like when you look for in your life like what excites you the most and i'd love to have just two parts of the answer one of just personal but also one that's more of a you know when you, when you think about in the entrepreneurial context of building companies right it's like the the mission of you your life the people around you and and i think that's where entrepreneurship is it's such a beautiful thing and back to the airbnb story it's like you in a business in the earliest days you're finding people that align with a mission but more so the core values and just the alignment of how you see the world and that's exciting to to, to envision a future of growth and shared values with a collective group of people whether that's business or family so for you like what excites you in your life from a personal perspective, but also as a collective of your peers and, and family and friends. Hmm. Um, the thing that's the most been the most rewarding for me is when I feel like I'm helping somebody navigate uh, a challenge in their life when I'm just in an, an audience for them and can be like a sounding board. It actually really does inspire me when somebody shares something that they're going through and um, and I can give some perspective or I can just be there to listen and help them kind of navigate through an issue. It's something that really makes me feel fulfilled and I'm inspired and excited about that and figuring out ways in my life to incorporate that more. Um, and then, uh, 
with regard to you know it's 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 a it's an interesting thing for a long time i really wanted to make music work and i said to myself if i could figure out a way to make music like a career and make it something that is like what i do and make it sustainable god i'll feel so good about myself you know i remember just thinking that like it's a really hard fucking thing to do it's been a really hard thing to do um and sometimes i have to slow down and say hey dude you did it like be happy be proud like instead of continuing to you know beat your head against the wall but i want more but i want more but i need more but i need more go back to where you were in your shoes a while ago and realize that like you've done that like you've 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 done something that you a goal that you set for yourself that you felt like would bring you so much happiness um enjoy the wins and then uh as far as like entrepreneurially because i know that that's a big it's kind of a big topic right in your podcast um i really want to collaborate with friends uh and have a common goal with a team of people then figure out a way to make a business out of making people's lives better um not necessarily for myself even though that is you know that is um inspiring (coughs) to um you know, benefit from, from something like that on, on my own, on the back end. But, but really if I can do something that I'm passionate about and that I really do feel like improves people's lives and to figure out a way to do that with, with people who I love and see eye to eye on the same issue and feel passionate about, that's a real sweet spot for me. So I've been doing a lot of that and I've been, you know, making, I mean, a lot of it's pie in the sky stuff, but I've spent a lot of time making lists on my on my phone about you know what are the big ideas, what are yeah. the big things that like I I want to do and I want to achieve and um, and start really going after those. My my friend has an analogy that you know you can take all of your you can take all your eggs and put them on one train um, and work really hard on that one train, but you never know what the where the tracks are going to lead and what kind of obstacles you'll have much better to have multiple trains going because you can jump between them and shift your eggs around depending on which one's kind of getting traction right um and that's kind of the the life that i've been living as of late you know trying to balance um these things that i'm passionate about and these new ideas and these new businesses um that that i've been exploring um but also you know continuing to make music from a pure place continuing to try to be a really good father and husband and um, and brother and son uh those are those are really important things to me as well like i said you know making people feel good is is something that you really leave behind and i actually really i feel so good i get so much benefit out of um feeling like I've, i've made somebody else feel seen i think that's all we really want in life yeah you know we just kind of want to feel seen and understood and heard and loved that that you know with we can have all the other things we can have no money no food but if we have somebody that believes in us and is proud of us and loves us and is truly inspired by us and that that's like that's that's that'll keep you going absolutely love that perspective well lastly i know um we've uh, i mentioned it a couple times on the show but we have a podcast that we've been filming, yes. Questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
it's gonna be coming out soon. For people that are, are watching, like, what excites you about questions? And and I'd love for you to just kind of speak from your perspective on the shows that we've been doing over there, so that people that made it this far in the episode can have something to look forward to outside of this conversation, but in the conversations that we've been having as, together in a different context. Yeah, totally. I mean, we've had great guests. I mean, having the guests that we've had in here has been really inspiring, and being able to kind of pick up on some of the things that they've been doing. Um. Yeah, it's it's also funny. It's you can't ignore how beautifully it all came together either, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I think that we we've told that story, right? Probably yeah. in the in the beginning or the first or in the intro episode or yeah. or something. But the way that it all came together just made too much sense. We were like, oh, the universe is screaming at us to do this, yep. um, which is very cool. And um, you know, this is this is really uh, I see what we're doing as an opportunity to just learn to sit down with people that we can learn something about, um, learn what their process is like, learn um, about how they view the world in an, in a, in an effort to broaden our own perspective yeah. and to become better, um, more informed people. And it's been a great experience. I just want to keep doing more yeah. and more and more. Me too. Yeah. And I mean, in Jordan, for, oh, <laughs> Jordan's about to be in here. He's got to go crazy on aliens. Can't wait. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I, I want to say too, just for the quick context of people that maybe haven't seen that if it's once it's live is I owned the domain at questions on Instagram. And I know Jordan has told it, but share your perspective on how it happened on your end when Jordan came to you and he's like, Hey, my buddy Casey has we, questions. We, we were sitting at dinner. Um, and our friend said to Jordan, you do ask a lot of questions, don't you? And uh, Jordan goes, oh, that was my nickname growing up. And Kaylee goes, oh, that's what I call Brandon because he's always asking questions, you know? And uh, we kind of look at each other like, that's funny. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why Jordan and I had always gotten along because we're both very uh, curious, yeah. you know, just about the way things work. And we're not afraid to, if we don't know something about how something works, is to just, you know, pretend like we do. We'd rather go and ask the questions, right? Like, well, how does that work? And why yeah. did you press that? And, what, you know, um, so we really saw eye to eye in that regard. And, and that moment, um, <laughs> somebody at the table said, you guys should do a podcast and call it Questions. And we we're like, that's a great idea. We should do that because we got a lot of questions to ask people. And then the very next morning, Crazy. He woke up and checked his Instagram and he saw that you, his friend, had posted something that basically said like at questions, who would like a podcast called at questions or something yeah, like that, right? Pretty much. I had the Instagram username just questions. Right. And I had no plans what I was gonna do with it. I posted about it because I got it the day before. Oh wow. And yeah, and then that's when he was like, dude, you're not gonna believe You're this. not gonna believe <laughs> what we just planned last night. Yeah. You know, so and then Jordan was like, We've gotta meet. Like Brandon, you gotta meet Casey, he's my buddy. And uh you came out here and we started meeting yeah. out here and we were just like, All right, let's do this. We started yeah. booking guests and you know, we've been kind of trading off like finding people to talk to. Yeah, uh, which has been a really cool thing too. Um because we all have like different kind of genres and people to pull from for sure. And, uh, it's been a fantastic experience and I can't wait to like, <laughs> just keep it going, but you Absolutely. can't deny how, uh, serendipitous that was. Right? Absolutely. Well, mm, yeah. Well, Brandon, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Oh, good man, Casey. Yeah. Next time I'm only asking you questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Enough about me. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Good man. We got it.